If you'll open your Bibles tonight to Zechariah, let's see how many has to go to the index tonight. Zechariah chapter 7. This is one of the minor prophets. That'll give you an idea. And uh, it's about the fourth back from the from the book of Matthew, so it'll get you in the general vicinity. Second back, okay. I'm sorry, I'm counting backwards. That's right, Zephaniah is the fourth back. Hallelujah. Okay, Zechariah, the seventh chapter, starting at verse number one, and let's stand for the reading of the word to give you a chance to get off those hard pews. Now in the fourth year of King Darius, it came to pass that the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Kizev, Kislev, I get it. Then the people sent uh, Shirez with uh, Regim Malak and his men to the house of God to pray before the Lord and to ask the priests who were in the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets saying, should we weep in the fifth month and fast as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, say to all the people of the land and to the priests, when you fast and mourned in the fifth and the seventh months during those seventy years, did you really fast for me? For me? When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink? Do you not eat and drink for yourselves? Should you not have obeyed the words which the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the city around it were inhabited and prosperous? and the south and the lowlands were inhabited. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd add your blessing to the reading of the word tonight. We pray, God, for a mighty, mighty anointing that would rest upon each of your people, that, God, our hearts and our ears and our minds would be open to the word of God, that, Lord, this word would take root in our hearts and that, God, it would bring life to our souls. Father, I know that this is a message from you, and I ask, Lord, that you would give me the anointing to preach this message as your messenger. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we can see, these people were sincere in their desire. They wanted to know 
if their 70-year prayer meeting that they held in the fifth month was to be continued now that uh, Jerusalem was getting back, or Israel was getting back on their feet. In verse 3 here they say, Should we weep in the fifth month and fast as we have done so many years? And God always looks at our motives rather than what we ask. How many of you have noticed that? I love the way God does that. He just, he gets right down to the nitty gritty. And he says to him, uh, when you prayed, did you pray to me? <laughs> to me? And the Lord suggests here that uh, their prayers and their fasting was, had more form than it had substance. And then the Lord speaks through Zechariah in verses 9 and 10. And he tells them to execute true justice, show mercy and compassion everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. In other words, be fair, be forgiving, be faithful, be friendly. So, number one, be, f be fair. Execute true justice. What God is saying is be fair in your dealing with others. You know, we can expect no true righteousness or justice in this world until Jesus comes. Isaiah says in uh, Isaiah 11:3, "He shall not judge by his sight, by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears." Talking about Jesus prophetically. But you know, the problem is, we do judge by those things, by what we hear and what we see. And a lot of times what we hear and what we see we don't know what's in the person's heart. 2 Corinthians 10.12 says, but they, are, they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And this is where most of us run into problems. Isn't it strange how we judge others by what we would have done and we judge ourselves by what we did. For instance, let's say I'm an employer and I have someone who shows up late for work. And right away I say, I don't understand it. How come this person can't be on time for work? I have to be here on time every day. Why can't he? And yet, if we're the employee rather than the employer, we look at things all together different. 
We're late for work and we say, oh, I ran out of gas. I got hung up in traffic. That dumb alarm clock didn't go off again. And we expect other people to accept these excuses. What's wrong with it? Everyone does it. It, It's as if that makes it right. Just because everyone does it doesn't make it the thing to do, right? Matthew 7 verse 12 says, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men would should do to you, do ye even so unto them. In other words, what you want people to do to you, that's the way you ought to treat other people. How many of us really stop and consider in our treatment of other people, that's the way I want to be treated? Or Matthew 7 verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. How many of us, when we get to heaven and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, how many of us want to be judged with the same judgment we use? With the same measure we use, we want him to meter judgment back to us. God says we need to be fair in our dealings with one another. We need to be merciful. He who wants mercy must give mercy. Isn't that right? The second thing that God said here through Zechariah, he says he wants them to be forgiving. Show mercy and compassion, everyone, to his brother. Why do we expect so much from others and we're so blind to our own faults? Why is that? You know the story about the man with a beam in his eye and he's trying to get the sliver out of his brother's eye? Why is that? I, I, I'd like to know. How come? It's so easy for me to see your faults and you can't see them. And I, it's so easy for you to see my faults. And I'm blind to them. What, why is that? Jesus said, For if you give men, forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. In other words, if I want forgiveness, I've got to give forgiveness. If I want to be treated in a certain way, then I've got to treat people in a certain way. And I don't think that all waits until we get to heaven. I think some of that is metered out to us right here, right now, don't you? There's a guy by the name of Sherwood Wirt who uh, tells about an encounter he had with God that changed his life and sweetened up his marriage in a book called Afterglow. 
And this is what he learned, and you might want to mark this down. You can't change anybody, but God can change everybody. You can't change anybody, but God can change everybody. He says, I was a reformer at heart, and one of my aims in life was to straighten out the other person. He said, I had a beautiful wife. I mean, she had so many good qualities. But she had a few flaws, and I was going to get those straightened out. And so I worked very hard at trying to get her to change. And it nearly ruined the marriage. Let me ask you a question. Why can't we accept people for what they are? Why is it that we've always got to be trying to change someone? Why can't we accept people for what they are and let God do the changing? You can't change anyone, but God can change everyone. Why can't we just love people for the fact that they're people? Love people and hate the sin. Forgiveness is one virtue that will carry us far in building lasting relationships. One thing that's kind of been a sore point with me over the past three years is I sit in the bus garage and I, it almost gets into you. You listen to all these complaints. By the time they get done talking, there isn't a good bus driver anywhere and they're waiting for you to leave the room so they can talk about you too, right? Or we could apply that to McDonald's. Or we could apply that to the clothing factory, the knitting mill. Or we could apply that to the nursing home. Or we could apply that to the school system. What is the matter with us? Why do we always have to be talking about bad things about other people why can't we look at people and love the people and forget about the wrongs and let God take care of the wrongs the third thing here that Zachariah is told he says be faithful do not oppress the widow or the fatherless the alien or the poor verse 10 the key word here is oppress. There's four groups of people that are mentioned. Widows, fatherless, aliens, and poor. But what it's really talking about is taking advantage of someone who's less fortunate. 
This could be someone who has made a mistake at work. Boy, they didn't change that bed right. They didn't bathe that, that woman the way I would have. And I don't know, they, they just don't seem to clean out that grill the way they're supposed to. And uh, they're over there trying to make change out of my drawer or something. There's a million and one reasons. Or this could apply to a wife or a husband that don't feel well and you take advantage of them. Colossians 3.12 in the Phillips translation reads this way. As therefore God's picked representatives, purified and loved, put on the nature which is merciful in action, kindly in heart, and humble in mind. We've been picked of God. We're God's chosen people. We're his representatives. And we're to put on this godly type nature. And we're to be different from the world. And yet, I see so much of the world in myself. I'm not talking about you tonight. I'm talking about me. Why can't I be more forgiving? Why can't I be more loving? Why can't I just say nice things about people all the time? God has called us to bless. God told Abraham, thou shalt be a blessing. Not you're going to get blessed, you're going to be a blessing. Others can take advantage and they can claw their way to the top, but not the Christian. We're not to do that. We're to treat others the way we would like to be treated. And last of all, he tells them to be friendly. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. Cain asked a question in Genesis 4-9, Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is a resounding yes. Jesus said there was two commandments, that we were to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind, and uh, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen? Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, most of us think pretty highly of ourselves. We look out for ourselves. 
In fact, that's where most of our problems come in. We're looking out for number one and forgetting about everybody else. He commanded us in John 13, 34. He says that we're to love one another. And when Jesus is talking about love here, he's not talking about sloppy agape. He's talking about action. Amen? He's talking about doing it. You know, love is a decision. You don't fall in love. Only puppy love happens that way. You fall in love. True love is a decision. I will love. And you do love. Regardless. You know, that's the nice thing about friends. They love you in spite of your wrongs. Not because of them. But in spite of them. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait until we got good enough. 1 John 3.17 He says, But whosoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? You see, love has to express itself. Love has to do something. And by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one toward another. Does it really matter? I mean, is it all earth-shaking whether I stand up or whether I sit down when I sing. I'm white for life. <laughs> My sound man just got a hold of me here. Let me put the question to you again. Does it matter whether or not we all stand up or whether we all sit when we sing? Is that the real criteria? I know that there needs to be a oneness in our worship, but can we have consideration for one another? Isn't that more important than whether we do or don't? Love is accepting people for what they are. I may desire to do things a certain way, but because you don't do them that way doesn't give me the right to criticize. I love you regardless of how you act. I can't change you anyway, but God can. I'm just using one example here. I could use several other examples. 
But I guess the real criteria is, am I willing to accept my brother and sister? Here they are, they're praying to God for 70 years, and he says, are you praying to me? Are you really praying to me? Well, you're not treating your brother the way he should. You're oppressing the poor and the needy. You don't give true justice. And yet you say you're praying to me. What would God say if he was to return to this church today? Would he say, are you praying to me? You see, what we've got to do is we've got to learn to accept one another. Hey, you know, you can choose your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. And I'm your brother. You're stuck with me. But I love you. And we might fight amongst ourselves, but I can remember what that was like in a family of ten. God help anybody else that tried to come against us. There was a oneness in the family, and there needs to be a oneness in the family of God. And we need to look out for one another. If someone's in need and we shut up our compassions and our, and our bowels of mercy, how does the love of God abide in us? I guess the key, if we want our prayers answered, you see, there has to be a horizontal relationship as well as the vertical. And it, and it goes so far as to say, if there's a problem between a husband and a wife, it hinders prayer. So it's time for husbands and wives to get their act together. You know, it takes two to squabble. Right? And it takes two in the church to squabble. There should never be squabbles in the church. Quick to forgive. Love one another. Amen? And when people come in and they... And, and I want to I say this. Both Paul and Rob couldn't get over how loving the people were here. He said, you've got a good congregation. Well, I agree. Of course, I'm prejudiced. <laughs> but I believe we can always improve. And when God spoke this message, it was to me. I'm just passing it on. If it fits you, take heed. If it don't fit you, set it aside. But God was talking to my heart.
And I just felt like it was something I needed. Let's bow our heads and pray, shall we? Pat, would you close with a word of prayer?